You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in everything he will be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace. By the blood of the cross, him we proclaim. Well, I wore my red free Georgia, folks. <laughs> now you do know when you beat Jesus' mama's team, there's repercussions, all right? so. <laughs> Just y'all be careful. Might be a storm coming. You never know, right? So I didn't watch it. I'm not going to lie. I was in bed by 10. So, but congratulations to you. Um, If you're new visiting, we are in a series on the book of Colossians. Uh, If you're not familiar with the Bible, that is a little four chapter book in the New Testament uh, where Paul in prison is writing to a church in the city of Colossae, a group of people he had never met. Uh, but one that he was passionate about. He's encouraging them. So we've been studying that. I think we're in our fifth week or so. Um, And and we were originally supposed to cover today verses six through 15. And uh, I'm I'm calling an audible, all right? For some of you, an audible, you're like, yeah, I know what audible is. It's an app. I listen to books on it. Yeah, okay. That's not not that, all right? Uh, Although I just did listen to Dune on audible and it's been awesome. So anyway, that's my nerdy 70s self. But... um, Another, some of you are like, an audible, that's something that can be heard or, or uh, something that's, you know, I hear with my ear. That is true as well. But an audible, for those in the South especially know, is this thing when a quarterback gets to the line of scrimmage and he sees a couple uh, things, he's like, I don't like our play. He calls an audible. He changes the play at the line of scrimmage. And they usually have some fun terms like Omaha, Nebraska, you know, Ric Flair, Louisville train, Seoul, you know, they have all these terms and then the quarterback changes the play. Well, I'm calling an audible today. We are not going to cover all the way to verse 15. We are only going to cover the two verses, verses six and seven. And I know some of you, you're engineers and you rule followers, you're like, yes, but the booklet says we're covering the verse 15. Well, I wrote the booklet, so I don't care. Okay. <laughs> and we're not going to lose a week because when we come back in two weeks and get back into Colossians, we'll just cover verses eight through the end of the chapter and it'll be fine. You'll, be, you'll live. We will not delay Christmas sermons. Uh, you don't need to worry, okay? So you'll be okay. You get little baby Jesus on December 23rd, okay? We're good. Um, but uh, don't forget that next Sunday now, Beulah Baptist is coming to worship with us. Okay, Pastor Lee will be speaking. He's gonna teach about prayer. Uh, their team's gonna lead us in, in singing. And, and there's, they bring about 150 to 200 people with us. We don't have that many seats, in between the two services. So someone's gonna be standing at best be our church, not their church. That's all I'm saying. Um, so if you, next week, seriously though, if there's seats in between you, squish. If you're young and 
uh, have energy, stand. Uh, we want to just gather. I mean, you can go to video venue, but we'd rather just put everyone in here. And don't forget this important, that our 100% of our offering next Sunday is going to Beulah's building project. They don't know that. We'll tell them next week. So uh, just, just a FYI reminder. So if you won the big lottery, the 211 million this week, you know, next week be a good week to tithe. I'm just saying, right? So if you play the lottery, don't. Well, that's another thing. But um, all right. So Colossians 2. Uh, have, you, have you ever um, got a song? I mean, I know you have. You get a song stuck in your head, right? I mean, that, it's just, it just happens. When you have kids, uh, it happens, right? And, there, and there's just certain tunes that just, you can't get them out once I get them in. Like, we are farmers, thump, 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 right? That one gets in your head, the Andy Griffith song, right? Right, you hear that one? There's just certain songs. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. You know what I mean? Okay, certain songs get stuck and you can't get them out. It's just the way it is, all right? Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's because you're listening to the radio. Sometimes it's because the TV's on. In my house, I got kids and they sing. I don't know if any of you had a chance to listen to the songs that, are for our, that we're writing for our kids' worship. There's two or three of those things. They are addictive. Um, the one that's on Colossians 3, uh, I mean 115. Our God, he is creator. I mean, the kid, people in the office are walking down the hall singing that. I'm like, stop it. I mean, we can't get these songs. They're just, there's just something there about certain catchy tunes that get stuck and you can't get them out, right? Uh, the Apostle Paul this week, just in these two verses we're gonna look at, verses six and seven, he wants something to get stuck in the heads of the Colossians in a good way. He wants it at the forefront of their mind. He wants it, them constantly singing. It's just there. It's present, Right, that's, that's what he wants. He has been writing to this church and they're a good church and they're growing and they're thriving but he's heard about these false teachers who are trying to sneak in and they're attacking the person and the work of Jesus. And it's not that they're saying, oh, Jesus is junk. What they're saying is, Jesus is great but you need Jesus plus fill in the blank. So if you wanna be a super Christian, it's Jesus plus you need to keep all the Jewish laws. So no shrimp, no steak, no barbecue. And you gotta do all the festivals. And Paul's like, Come on. And there's another group in the church saying, yeah, Jesus is great, but there's a deeper wisdom and a deeper knowledge that you don't get on the surface. You gotta be one of us in our super secret Bible study group and we'll tell you the real stuff. And then there's another group that's like the more experiential, they're the more charismatic of the group. No, 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 it's Jesus plus worship and angels and Jesus plus visions and all these things. And, and there's all this other stuff out there that's kind of mystical and exciting and you need Jesus plus. And Paul is trying to bring them back and say, no, no, no. Him we proclaim. Right? We looked at that passage last week. That's what we entitled the series. We're proclaiming him. It's about him. Jesus is enough. He's enough. You don't need all these other things. Let's get that stuck in your head. Right? And so he doesn't want them to move. He wants to encourage them. And these two little verses, it's almost as if I picture Apostle Paul, if he was there, he'd be leaning over the table at him like I do with my kids sometimes when I really have something important to say. It's Paul leaning in and saying, get this stuck in your head. Hear this. Be encouraged by this. Be challenged by this. And so that's what we're gonna unpack today and some applications for that. So Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. That's it. And, and here's why I think it's important, y'all. Where I need encouragement and I need to be reminded and I need that song stuck in my head is when I'm just kind of in the middle, right? In the middle of blah, 
right? It's, it's fall, right? It's finally got to 90 degrees. It's fall now in Savannah, right? So, so we're just kind of in the middle of the semester. Maybe you're in the middle of your college semester. Maybe you're in the, the middle of a project. It's just kind of that time when it's just like, blah. You're running through the motions. See, for me, when I go running, I try to run four or five times a week. It's not getting started that's hard. The beginning of my run is not hard. The end of my run is not hard because I know I'm almost done. The hardest part of my run is in the middle, and, and the way I do it, because I know that I'm, my nature, I run in a way that I can't, I run so that I can't turn around. And I, I go to a way that's like circular, so I can't just like, oh, I'm just gonna turn around. If I quit, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. So I have to finish. And it's out when I'm out there, when I'm two miles out thinking, what am I doing? We're all gonna die. Why do I have to do this to myself? <laughs> it's, the wor- it's a downhill, uphill battle, downhill battle anyway. That, that's when I need to hear no, no, no. It's keep running. I used to have this cross-country coach, Mr. Nodecker, and I ran cross-country in the state of Pennsylvania, so we were always running these, these courses that were out in the middle of the cornfields, and they just cut cornfields, and you'd run in them. And they were in the middle of nowhere, and there'd be nobody around, and my coach would just show up all of a sudden in like mile 1.3, and he'd be out of the blue, and he'd scare you. But he'd be like, Fowler, you can do this. The guy's 100 yards ahead, you catch him. And it's what I needed at that moment in the middle of nowhere. And it was encouraging to me, right? That's Paul right here. He said, get the, let's get this in our head. Let's keep this in front of us. Let's get this song stuck in my head. And if you've been here for a while and you're thinking, I wonder if Fowler's got a song. I got a song. I got two, actually. So we'll get it. Let me un- read our text and then we'll jump in. Re- real easy. Verse six and seven. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, right? So he starts out, and the first word is, therefore. And when you see the word therefore, what do you ask? All right, that was weak sauce. Y'all, y'all stayed up late and watched Georgia, but you can be louder than that. When you see the word therefore, what do you ask? What it's, what it's there for? It's connecting something. There's a point. What's the point? It's back in verse five. He says, though I was absent in body, I'm with you in spirit. I'm rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. He's he's going back to that firmness of faith and and that good order. He says, because of your firmness of faith, because you're standing firm, because you're running well, therefore, as you receive Christ, walk in him. And, and the language here is very specific in the grammar. And it doesn't come across in English because it's very wooden. Literally, it says, as you received the Christ Jesus, the Lord. That's the original. But that doesn't sound good in English, so we smooth it out. But Paul is drawing attention to the who more than the means. The who. Why? Because they're attacking Jesus and they're saying he's not enough. He says, no, no, no. As you receive Number, the first idea, the Messiah Jesus. Christ is not his last name, remember, it is his title. It, is, it just means the anointed one, the Messiah. As you receive the Messiah Jesus, the one who was promised, all those promises, the one in Genesis 3, that the, the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. As you received him, as you received the one from Abraham, the one whose loins were dead, but then he would have a child, and all the nations of the world would be blessed. And that's important because they're Gentiles, they're not Jews. As you receive the one who would come from Jesse and from David, the one who would be pierced, the one who would say, I thirst, the one who would be betrayed by a friend, the one who would be born in Bethlehem, the one who is born of a virgin, the one whose name is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, the one whose name, Yeshua, means Yahweh saves. 
as you receive the Messiah, Jesus, and the Lord, Jesus as your Lord. This is his term of deity. He is 100% man, 100% Jewish man, Jewish carpenter. He is also 100% God. It's what we call the hypostatic union. It's a fancy word for saying he has two dual natures, a, a deity 100% and he is human 100%. That's 200%, which is good theology and horrible math. But that's what the scripture teaches. He's not a 50-50, right? But you have received him as the Messiah. You received him as Lord. How do I know he's Lord? We looked at it in chapter one. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the reconciler. He's the firstborn from the dead. All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's who he is. So he's saying, as you receive Jesus as your Messiah, as you receive him as your Lord. And here's the, here's the assumption, right? They had Right? They had, as you received. And, he, and the, the pastoral question that I just want to encourage you, I don't know where you're at. I don't know uh, where you've been. Question is, have you? You got to ask the question. Because everything else he says is linked to the fact that you have done this. So the question you got to ask is, have I received Jesus as Lord, Jesus as Messiah? Which means you, like them, how did, they, how, how did it happen for them? They were just living their little lives in Colossae. A guy from, named Epaphras comes down from Ephesus. He says, hey, you, let me tell you something. And this is before technology and newspapers and everything. He says there was this man, his name was Jesus. He was a Jew. He lived in, Jer in Jerusalem. You know, that's across the water, a long way. He lived the perfect life. He died on a cross for your sins and rose again. And you can have eternal life if you put your faith in them. And they're coming from all these Greek gods and all these Roman gods and they, and they got all these, what they do is they turn their back on that and they put their faith in this Jewish carpenter who they've never seen but they've heard about. They've turned from their sin and they put their faith in Christ. That's what they did. Have you done that? Have you recognized your need for a savior? God's not looking down like, ah, hey, yeah, I'm pretty impressive, he's goes to church, he got a degree from Georgia, he's this, he's that, he's a nice guy, I'm gonna put him on my team. No, no, that's not how you receive. You receive coming empty and saying, I am a sinner, I need grace, please save me, and then Jesus saves you. Because it's a you receive it, it's a gift. Salvation is by grace, it is through faith, it is a gift, so that you can't get to heaven and say, look what I did, right? And boast, it's all a gift, so have you done that? And if you have questions about that, and you'd like to talk, Fill out a card, put it in the box. We'd love to meet with you. We'd love to encourage you. That's what we're about, to make disciples of Jesus. But they had done it. And so because you have, because you've received him as your Messiah, as your Lord, here's the command. And it is a command. It's not a, it's not a suggestion. So walk in him. Right? Walk in Jesus. And we've seen that metaphor before, right? That word walk just means to live, that's why the NIV says, uh, just as you've received Christ, continue to live your lives in him. The New Living Translation says, you must continue to follow him. It's a metaphor for life. Live in him. Keep in him, right? That, that's the command, that's the, that's the song that he wants to get stuck in your head. Keep going, keep believing. And so I'm thinking, okay, is there a song ever written that talks about keep believing? The don't stop believing. I can't think of one. Oh, could it be that God's 80s worship band, Journey, don't stop believing? 
I mean, when I, and here's the irony. When I go running, I have a running playlist. This is one of my songs. So when I'm out there at mile two and a half, and all of a sudden I hear, dum, 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 dum. I'm like, yes, just a small time. Yeah, that has nothing to do, right? It gets me going. It moves me forward. And if you're like, oh, I don't like, I'm not really a journey guy. I got another song for you then. You can choose whichever one you want, all right? This, the worship leader, Johnny Cash, <laughs> walk the line, right? As sure as night is dark and day is light, I keep you on my mind both day and night. That's good stuff right there. That's good theology, right? I choose to keep a close watch on this heart of mine. <clears throat> That's spiritual, all right? I walk the line. So whether it's don't stop believing or you want to walk the line, that's, that's the whole idea. But in all seriousness, the reason why this is important, I mean, the reason why this matters is because we have a day and age where the deconversion of folks is like the thing. Right, so you have, you know, from those of you kind of engaged in Christian culture, a man named Joshua Harris who wrote a book that was dumb, but uh, he was a pastor and went to seminary and all of a sudden he's not a Christian. All of a sudden nothing in the Bible is true. And so you say, how does that happen? And I don't, you know, I don't know his struggles and I don't know his issues and I pray that he would come back to the faith, but it's not new. Paul is sitting in prison right here. He's got a bunch of people with him. One of the guy's names is Luke. He's a doctor, great dude, writes a book of the Bible. Another guy's name is Demas. Demas is being faithful right now. He is with Paul in jail. By the time Paul writes 2 Timothy, his last will and testament, and is set in his next imprisonment, you know how he closes it out? He says, Demas is gonzo. Bye-bye, left me, abandoned the faith. What happened? What happened? He didn't, he stopped believing. He didn't walk the line. Well, how, how can we then, how do, we, how do we not stop believing? And I know this is a God thing, but how do we stay the course? How do we finish the course? Because anyone can start it. It's easy to start it. All right, how do we finish it? Right, this is what the reformers would call the perseverance of the saints. Not that you persevere to save yourself, but the true saints will persevere to the end. They will not fall away. And so Paul is going to tell us what walk in the line looks like. He's going to tell us what not stop believing looks like. He's going to give us four metaphors. And here's what I want to, I just want to unpack these, give some practical application, and then we worship. Right? And, and so we're going to pay attention to these. And verbs, when you're studying the Bible, verbs are where it's at. That's where the action is. That's where the author is pointing you often. And, and the way that Paul uses these, these metaphors I think it's significant because he uses different tenses and different moods and different voices. And I know that's a little bit like, you're like, what does that mean? Uh, just remember this. You don't have to understand what that means, but every word of the Bible is, is inspired. Even the tenses of the verbs is inspired by God, it's profitable. It comes, it's God-breathed, right? This is how Jesus argues for the inspiration of the Old Testament. When the Pharisees are attacking him, he says, I thought that the scripture says that, that Abraham said, I, that God says, I am the God of, of Abraham, not I was the God of Abraham. And he's arguing for the actual specific tense of the verb was or am. So if Jesus' view of the scripture is that even the tenses are inspired, these matter. And Paul picks different ones under the inspiration of the spirit because he wants this, things to stand out to us. So let's unpack these. There's four metaphors, right? How we walk the line, how do we not stop believing? The first one is, 
is, is, it says, as you receive Christ, walk in him, rooted, build up, established in the faith, just as you were taught. The first one is rooted, right? That's the first one. And so if you're, if you're writing those down, here, here's what this, this verb in the original is. It's in the perfect tense, right? And it's in the passive voice. Here's what that means. Perfect tense is something that took place in the past, but it's continuing right now and it will in the future. So it kind of covers a big scope. So what he's saying is that you were rooted, you still are rooted, and you will be rooted. And it's in the passive voice, which means you're not doing it, it's being done to you. And here's why this is important. Remember, the attacks are coming. Jesus is not enough. Jesus, you have to do Jesus plus. He's, and Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You were rooted in Jesus. You still are rooted in Jesus. And you will be continually rooted in Jesus. So go there. You don't have to go keep the rules. You don't have to go do the festivals. You don't have to go try real hard and try to impress God. You are rooted in Christ. And, and the whole idea of rooted is, is what? Is, is nourishment. What do roots do? That's, I love the New Living Translation. It paraphrases that let your roots grow down into him. Right? That's what roots do. They get, they get down deep, get sustenance, get strength, get refreshment. It's, it's a picture, I think, of Psalm 1. If you know Psalm 1, uh, he says that his delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on the law day and night, and he's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do, it prospers. Why is that tree flourish? Because it's by the river, and its roots go down deep, and it gets water, and it gets nutrients. It gets what it needs. It's an organic thing. And what Paul is saying is, you need to go deep, not in the theology, but deep into Christ. You need to get sustained by him. You need to be fed by him. You need to be encouraged by him. And here's the thing about roots. You don't see them, except for when your driveway is getting pushed up, like six inches, and you're like, boom, every time you come in. Roots are underground. They're hidden. But they're the most important part, aren't they? I mean, when the hurricane comes through, you want good roots, right? Hurricane Umberto or whoever the next guy is coming. You want strong roots that dig down deep so when the wind blows, the only thing that falls is the moss, right? And you don't see it. And I think that's significant because what we need to realize is for you to be rooted, this is the unseen part of your spiritual walk. See, right now, this is the seen part. Everyone sees you. And for the most part, you showered, you shaved, you put some pretty smell stuff on. You put some deodorant. Congratulations. But this is just like border. This is the basics. This is just like the, you know, this is the lowest end on the, on the, on the totem pole, so to speak. This is what you do. This is bare minimum. You come to church for an hour. But what some of us need to be more aware of is if you're going to have roots, it's, it's the hidden stuff. It's what are you doing that no one else sees or will see. That's what makes you strong. It's that, that taking that time during the week and just digging your roots down into Jesus. Spending time with Jesus. That's, that's huge. Because we're looking for a lot of us, some spiritual miracle grow. Go to Lowe's, get some spiritual miracle grow. I'll go to church, get some spiritual miracle grow. And all this just flourish. That's not the way roots work. Not in the spiritual world. Right? Not, it's just not how it happens. And, and what we do, what I do, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be transparent. I skimp on that. 
Because I come to work and I show up and I gotta get a sermon done. And so I'm like, well, I'll just open the Bible and I'll start studying and, and I'm, I'm reading the Bible anyway so I can do my quiet time and my work at the same time, right? And, and I make that justification. But I find when I ignore my personal spiritual life, when I ignore my time with Jesus, I am running through the motions. There's a lot, there's a lot less joy in what I'm doing. I'm just kind of blah. I'm grumpy. I'm more impatient with my kids and my wife. Why? Because I'm not digging down. I'm not getting sustenance. I, I bet that's the same with you too. This is the only time the scripture is open for you. You're starving spiritually. If you ate once a week physically, how weak would you be? I think that's how some of us are spiritually. And it's because we're not digging down deep. And so we need to, we need, we need to cultivate some spiritual discipline here. And I'm not just saying, everyone read your Bible. It's important, yes, but be creative with it. It's fine. You need this time to renew your mind. If the word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path, I need it to see. I need it to, to, to see where I'm supposed to go. If Jesus says you shouldn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of my mouth, then, then why is the church so weak in this area? And she just need to cultivate some time weekly where you can spend time you don't have to necessarily have a hard copy. Listen, I, I, I was, I was uh, listening to Matt Chandler last week when he mentioned this app called Dwell. It's a brand new app on uh, iPhones and I, Androids and all that stuff. It costs a little bit of money, but it's just a new way to listen to the scripture. And so I kind of downloaded it, a little demo, checked it out. It's cool because you can choose what type of voice you want. So there's this British lady if you're like an Anglican or a Presbyterian, you might want to go with that, right? That's kind of your world. And then there's this, but the best is this guy named Felix from West Africa. He's the best, right? So you get to listen to Felix, read the scriptures and his accent. And you can choose the music you want behind it. It's got like, oh, you want classical piano, you want guitar, you want cello. It's just a, it's just a cool way to do it. And, and you're like, well, I wake up, I have to be at work at six and I get home at six at night, I just don't have time. Then use your car. Use your lunch. I, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just trying to let us get to a point where we see the value of letting the word of Christ richly dwell within us, right? Because that helps us to walk the line, to not stop believing, to have accountability there with your spouse or your roommate or your community group, right? It's important. That's how we dig down. What's the next metaphor? He goes from the garden to the construction site. It's built up, right? Rooted and built up. Now this is also the passive voice. So it's you're being built, but now it's in the present tense. So it's not the perfect, now it's now it's you keep building up, you keep getting built up. That you, what scripture teaches, and I as the church are actually an ongoing construction project that keeps going and keeps going and it will not end. It's kinda like the interchange at 16 and 75 in Macon. It's never going to end. It will never be done. Started in 1963, it will never be done. Right? But that's the idea. It's this ongoing process. And it will keep going until he who began a good work in you completes it. Which will happen either at his return or your resurrection out of the grave. But until then, it's constantly. And sometimes it's big and sometimes it's small little construction things. Last summer, I, we, have a, we have a kind of half bath downstairs and I was like, I'm gonna do a little project. I'm gonna scrape the popcorn ceilings. I'm gonna tear off this 1980s uh, wallpaper. I'll, it'll be done in like a day. It'll be easy, right? Like two months later. 
My wife's like, are we gonna finish that thing? I'm like, no, it's a spiritual project. It's, a, it's how I, but I mean, it, there was times that big things would happen. Man, we're ripping the, you know, the wallpaper off and a big piece, we're like, yes. And then you realize there's two other layers of 80s wallpaper that some lady was like, got bored every two years. And so, we're doing that. And then we finally get that off. But then we've nicked up the wall with so many things. Now what I gotta do? I gotta, I gotta patch every hole and I gotta scrape and it's a mess and it's getting all in my eyes. And then we gotta put crown molding in. And, and there's big things. Like we put a, lamp, a new lighting fixture. Woo! And I almost died because I got shocked, but we got it up. But then there's little things like sanding that you don't really see, but it's significant, but you don't really see it going on. And, you, and filling nail holes with caulk. It takes time and it's annoying. It's a good kid's job. But sweeping up, and there's all, some big, some small. That is your life, or it's supposed to be. Sometimes it's a big thing that God has done. Boom, man, this guy, he was addicted to X, and now he's not. Great. Sometimes it's very subtle. You have a trashy mouth, and we need to start dealing with that, or you have pride that's hidden. But it's an ongoing process that started at conversion, and it won't end until Jesus returns or you go to be with him. And, and Peter says this about us. You're a living stone. You're being built, being built, continuous, into a spiritual house to be what? A holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the metaphor used through the Bible, that you are being built. You're not building yourself, so your responsibility and my responsibility, if we're gonna walk the line and we're gonna keep, not, don't stop believing, is not that you build yourself, but that you allow yourself to be built. That you're putting yourself in a place where you can be built. So have you. Right? Do you come on a Sunday after you've yelled at the kids and you yelled at your spouse and we're late and this and that? Do you come and say, okay, Lord, I want you to speak to me today so that you can change me? See, that, that would be a way to be built. Right? That you would uh, say, Lord, search my heart. If there's any unclean way in me, show me it because I want, I, want I want you to reign in my heart. And when he puts his finger on this one thing, that you don't try to justify it, that you repent of that and you turn. You treated your kids like junk this morning, that you repent of that, own that, kids. Daddy was a jerk, I'm sorry. That's the way you're built. On the positive side, you, you figure out, hey, how's God wired me, how God gifted me? Okay, he's made me a great a leader. How can I use my gifts and, and increase my gifts, get better at leading? I'm a teacher, let me be a better teacher. I'm a singer, let me be a better. Whatever it is, I'm an artist, I'm gonna use, get better at this. How can you be equipped and get built so that you can use that for his name's sake? It's, it's constantly going on, right? It's, it's a constant process that you, you bring others into the process. Help me, encourage me. When they, when they speak truth into your heart, even if it hurts your feelings and you're like, you know what, you're right. Don't try to push back always. Maybe you hear what your spouse has to say about you, what your kids have to say. Maybe, maybe it's true. It's a way to be built. Here, here's a big one for us. Just wherever you're at, don't be done. Right? Don't, don't be done growing. Because if, if you've quit, if you're like, well, I did that when I was in my 30s when we had kids, and now it's the young people's term. I'm just, I have a, I'm 70 now. I have the right to be grumpy and a jerk. No. You're supposed to be growing constantly. That, that's the way it is, right? You're supposed to constantly, you should be more patient as a 70-year-old than you were as a 50-year-old, biblically. Young folks, I'll, I'll say this, surround yourself with people who will build you like you're a high school student, college student, middle school, 
show me your friends, I will show you your future. Okay, if your friends are a bunch of knucklehead crackheads, you think, well, I'm going to change them. No, you're going to be a crackhead. It's just the way it works. Choose people who will build you, not let's go lie to your mom. Let's go lie to your dad. What's the answer on number seven? Right? I'm just telling you, you think you can escape it. You cannot. Put yourself in a position where you can be built. Right? If you're older, don't be done. Your turn is not over until God says, your turn's over. Heart stops. You're with me. That's when it ends. Right? But you have to be in a place, you have to be teachable, you have to be humble, you gotta be being built. Next metaphor. It goes from the garden to the construction progress project to the lawyer office. Established. This is a legal term in the original. It's used uh, outside the Bible of a, of a contract that is held up in court, that it's firm, that it's made strong, it's been a stamp of approval put on it, Right? So he says, you're rooted, you're built up, you're established. You're, the NIV says, made strong. Right, that's the idea. And it's, this is present tense, passive voice. Again, you are made strong by God, but that it's continual. You're getting stronger. That's the idea. How does something get stronger? By being used. By exercising. If I say, I wanna be able to do 100 push-ups. So I'm going to sit on the couch, eat cheese, it's and drink an orange Fanta. That's not how I get to do 100 push-ups. How do I get to do 100 push-ups? I do push-ups. You wanna get better at something? You do it, right? You wanna learn how to use Excel? What do you do? Use Excel. Some of you, you need to learn to drive better because Southerners are horrible drivers. You need to drive more. Just drive off somewhere else. Go to Statesboro, right? But the way you get better at something is you do it. The way you get stronger is you exercise it, right? The way your faith is made stronger is you exercise it. And it's one of the few things in the world, in life, that actually the older it gets, the stronger it gets. Because let's be honest, bodies, that don't happen. I mean, we can lift weights and we can, we can eat, you know, all the healthy stuff we want. We're going down, people, going down. May take longer for some of you, but we're going down, right? Because we're getting older. You can have a new car. Oh, isn't that awesome? Brand new car. Guess what? It's going to die eventually. It's getting older, right? Got to replace parts. It's going to die. Uh, you can go out to the beach today and you can build a sandcastle and, you know, big old towers and moats and, oh, yeah, that's great. It's going to last forever. Yeah, until tide comes in. Most things, as they get older, they get weaker, our faith, though, as we exercise it and it gets older, it gets stronger. It's one of the unique things about it. It should. And he says, this is what I want. I want it to get stronger. And as you look, as you dig down into Jesus and as you are built up into Jesus, what's gonna happen? You're gonna get stronger. It's just the way it is. So, you, so your job is to, how, do I, how can I exercise my faith? It's not, you know, and it's not like, oh, I have to just like sell everything and go to Africa. No, it's, it's the little things. It's the little things. It's, uh, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna trust that God answers. And we're, when you see God answer your prayer, whether it's the way you want it or not, guess what? That builds your faith because you know you have a God who hears. So you can go to him. 
or you're just gonna start claiming the promises of God. God says this, I'm gonna believe it. And when he comes through and is in, it builds your faith. You're gonna, you can, here's, here's a real practical, this is more for the younger people. And look, it's not because of my, I don't want your money, I don't want anything. But younger people are not as generous as, as, as older folks, just aren't. But that you millennials would understand that God doesn't need your money, but when you give off the top, off the beginning of your check, rather than at the end after you've gotten your lattes and your Starbucks and your everything else, and you're like, I got 37 cents for Jesus, love you. But if you give off the top and say, I trust that God can do with 90% more than I can do with 100%, it increases your faith. And it has nothing to do with, I don't need your money, I don't want your money, I don't even see your money. But it does have to do with your heart. And this builds, I saw something that I started right when I got saved, and I'm so thankful for the last 20 years that I have trusted God in that area. And that doesn't mean I have a lot of money, but it have never starved, right? And it's increased my faith that God cares for us. There's all sorts of ways, right? Surround yourself with other people, again, that are going to build you, that are gonna challenge you, that are gonna increase your faith. It's when you're, when you're actually praying, and again, you should be looking for God to, what are the areas that I need to grow in? And maybe it's patience. And when you say, okay, God, I, I just, help me to exercise this. And you, you get a win. You're at waters. You let somebody in on waters. That's a win. You celebrate that win. And you see, God has moved and they've made me a little bit more like Jesus. Right? It's the little splashes, not the big splashes that we're looking to do here and to dig down and to grow and be established. But this is, again, something that happens, by the way, in community. Doesn't happen in isolation, that's why we need each other, right? So if you're gonna walk the line and you're not gonna stop believing, you're gonna be rooted and established and built, and then the last one is thankfulness, right? He says, uh, you're built and you're established just as you were taught, and then you're bound in thanksgiving. This is the only verb that is in the active voice, which means you're the one doing this one. You are abounding in thanksgiving. You are overflowing, as some translations say, in thanksgiving, right? And it's present tense. You're continually thankful, right? The word abundance or abounding just means there's plenty of it. So in Savannah right now, there is an abundance of love bugs, okay? And you guys are just killing them all with your cars. You can go out front and just murdering the love bugs. They're all over. Last night in Athens, there was an abundance of red necks. Just kidding, just kidding. What, what does that mean? They're, they're evident. They're everywhere. That's the idea. He says that you ought to abound, overflow. It should be evident in what? Thanksgiving or gratitude. If something is overflowing, so if I'm holding my coffee cup and it's full already, and you bump me, what happens? I overflow coffee. The idea is as a believer, as though in Christ, it's not stopping believing, that's walking the line. When you're bumped, you overflow with gratitude. It's just, you're so, you're so full of it because it's who you are. And it's because what God has done in you spiritually and physically. Right? That's the idea. That's, that's walking the line. Right, that's the mark of a person. One of the marks of the people, major marks of a Christian in the New Testament and the Old is thankfulness, is gratitude. And it impacts every area. It's not just someone that walks around, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's not just saying thank you. It actually impacts the rest of your life. And so 
I'm, I, I'm overflowing with gratitude so that I'm, I'm kind to this person even when they're not kind to me. Why? Because when I was an enemy of God, he was kind to me. And it's an overflow of what he's done. When this person wrongs me, I forgive them and I release them even if they haven't asked for forgiveness. When my spouse hasn't asked for forgiveness, I still forgive them. Why? Because when I was an enemy and I was dead in my sins, God in eternity past wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. So I was already forgiven in essence. It just had to kind of one day happen in time. So I can, in thankfulness, I can forgive. I can be generous. In thankfulness, I am allowed and encouraged to enjoy things. Some of you believe that, that because you're a Christian, you cannot enjoy things. That is dumb. Every good and perfect gift is from God. A great nap is, is a gift from God. A great football game is a gift from God. A great meal with meat and bacon is a gift from God Almighty. You can enjoy it. A good run. What, if it's a good gift, it's from God. You can enjoy it with thanksgiving and should. And it's worshipful, right? You can smile and not look like it's the 1890s where everyone's just holding their gun and mad at the, I mean, some people come to church and that's what they look like. And I'm like, the church you want is down the road. I don't know which way I'm pointing. I'm, I'm not pointing to any specific church. It's not this one. Because the thankful people are joyful, are content, even when, when okay, I, yeah, I wish I made $280,000 a year, but, but I, I'm content with 80, if that's what God gives me, right? There's a contentment and a thankfulness and a settledness, Right? Thankfulness and gratitude, it trumps so many things. When there's abundance of thanksgiving, there's an absence of complaining, of jealousy, right? of criticism. These things proclaim not him, they proclaim me. Anxiety, worry, which is a huge piece. If I'm thankful for what God has given, I'm not worried about what he is not. It's a way to fight anxiety, Right? Thankfulness. If, if you get bumped and outspills criticism and complaining and whining, then you're not, you're, you're not walking in him. You're not proclaiming him. So how do you cultivate Thanksgiving? Same way everything else. Be around thankful people. If you go to lunch with a bunch of grumblers and complainers, they're gonna tell you how bad the sermon was. I don't, I mean, that doesn't bother me. I'm sure that a lot of people do. But if that's all they complain about, the government and the roads and the taxes and their husband and their kids and their job, you need to just run because you will become like them, right? You should, some of us should disconnect periodically from technology because technology tells you what you don't have and what you need all the time. When you watch football today, you're gonna see a thousand things you need in the commercials. You need this to be happy, you need this. You get on social media, I need to be at the Bahamas like they're at the Bahamas, how come we don't get to go to the Bahamas? How come I don't look that good in that dress? She doesn't either, that's called a filter. All right, but you, 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 I don't have friends like this. I don't have this. I don't have this. So disconnect from that once in a while because it's just telling you what you need to be happy, what you need, what you need, what you need. And, and we don't cultivate thankfulness and we're always looking about what we do and don't have. Instead, why not get a list out and write, here's my blessings, spiritual blessings. What do I have in Christ? The next portion of Colossians tells you you're alive in Christ, you're full in Christ, he's given you a new heart, he's united your, you with himself, he's canceled your certificate of debt, 
He's all these things. Break the physical blessings too. I have a job. It's not a perfect job, but it pays the bills. I got a car. That's more than most people in the world who are walking or riding bikes. I have food. May not be filet mignon, but I got ramen noodles and I'm happy. Right? I got electricity. I have air conditioning. I got clothes on my back that are clean. I, I got a spouse. I, you just, we don't think about the things we have. We always think about what we don't. So write them down and look at them. Spend some time in the Psalms if you want to just continually be thankful. The psalmists are constantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right? It's a good place to start, to cultivate. Sing. For gracious sake, sing. Christ, Christians sing. Thankful people sing. Not just, I mean, not just spiritually thankful people. Score a touchdown on your favorite team. What do you do? You sing. Right? You're, somebody's singing the fight song or the whatever song. Christians are singers. Doesn't mean you sing good. You don't have to sing good. I know how it is. When we cut, it's awkward sometimes, you know, when, when everything's loud in here, it's easy for you. But then they cut out and the, and the, and the guys walk back from the mic and then you're, all of a sudden you're like, ooh, this is when I go like this. I start lip syncing again. Don't worry about it. If you were any good, you'd be on stage. We know that. <laughs> so you don't have to be good. You just have to sing because it's an overflow of thankfulness, right? And then no one cares if you're good or bad. Right? So don't worry about it. You're, you're honoring God. And it's great to hear all of it. It's funny, even if you stink, when all the voices together, somehow it sounds good. That's a cool thing. So that's a way we cultivate it. Right? We're going to have a chance to do that in just a minute, and we're going to worship. This is the song that Paul once stuck in their head. Walk the line. Don't stop believing. How? Dig down deep. Just think about this. As we move to worship, how are you going to dig down deep a little bit this week? What are you gonna do differently that you're gonna kinda, I, I need to draw near this week. I haven't drawn near to God. The last time I had my Bible sat in the front seat of my car and I didn't move all week long. What are you gonna do this week's different? How are you gonna be built? Are you gonna maybe get in a group, maybe meet with some men or some women at a, for coffee in the morning and talk and pray for each other? How are you gonna be built this week? How are you gonna get stronger? What's the plan to get stronger in your faith so that you're not an angry 75-year-old guy or gal one day that just looks back and just mad but you're gracious and you're overflowing with just grace how are you going to cultivate thankfulness this is what we want to do this is not it's a process roots take time I get it but if you do nothing nothing's going to happen so come up with an idea get in community let us help you whatever we can do Let's, let's sing let's stand together let's worship let's thank Christ for what he's done let me pray and we'll, and we'll do that. Father, I ask now as we move to a time of just reflection a little bit of singing that you would in your church uh, be glorified again. That those who here, here receive Christ and they know that they have not, that, that you would move uh, them towards yourself, that you would draw near them to your heart, that you would open their eyes to their need for you. And, it, and for those who are but have kind of floundered, they're out in the middle and they need someone encouraged that they would hear the words of Paul, that as they received Christ Jesus, the Lord, to so walk in him, to be rooted, to be established, to be strengthened, to be built, to abound in thankfulness. That's what we want for our church. And so do that by your spirit in us. For Christ's name's sake, I pray, amen.